You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. I have my friend here, Katie Joy. She is a photographer and mental health and wellness advocate and a friend of mine from college. So, hey, Katie. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Um, Tell everyone a little bit about what you do because it's a couple things. Um, So, for money, I'm a wedding photographer. Um, And for mental health, I uh, try and shed a light on what everybody goes through. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Broad spectrum. And do you suffer from... Oh, hey, mental I suffer from mental issues. illness. Okay, mental illness. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say, you have experience Nobody knows me. I should uh, say what's going on. So I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety um, when I was 11. I was really young. Um, put on medication pretty early and never really tried to figure out what was going on. I never had doctors try to figure out what was going on. I was just medicated. So throughout college and into my marriage, I've really try to figure out like what the source of everything was and um, figuring out how much of it is genetic and just um, shedding light onto what's happening in the mental illness world because a lot of people don't understand it. And you've been really transparent with that journey, I feel like, on oh, social yeah. media and such. Yeah, I don't know how to not talk about it because it's been such a big part of my life. Um, I just don't see the point in hiding it if it can help somebody. Yeah. Whatever. Well... So some of you listening may know her work from the series that went kind of viral. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, Honey Boo Boo shared it, so. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Well, so Katie and I went to LSU for photography. And did you graduate in photography or were you just in all the classes with me? No, I graduated. You, okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes I thought someone was a photography major and they were actually just in the classes and they weren't majoring yeah. in that. So I forget who it was. But um, you had a series that you did in college that went pretty viral Mm -hmm. it was called my anxious heart and it was 12 12 photos depicting depression and anxiety and they were like accompanied by writings that I had um from a journal just I don't know probably since freshman year of college I'd kept every time I had like a dip in depression or anxiety attack I would try and like kind of write down how I was feeling and so those kind of paired nicely with it can you tell me a little bit about how that series has launched what it is that you're doing now? Um, I think it really opened my eyes to um, describing things better. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to be able to describe it well. <laughs> you're doing um, great. <laughs> I'll just let me show you the pictures. Um, it was actually really funny because, uh, or sad, <laughs> but when I shared it, people who hadn't experienced mental illness were really thankful for it, that they were like, oh, now I can finally understand what my spouse or daughter or whatever is going through. Um, But the people who had mental illness were my biggest critics and were like, that's not at all what it looks like. It's too pretty. Um, I even had a lot of people ask why I didn't use men or women of color or anything. And I was like, well, it was self-portraits. So um, I had a lot of criticism for how I chose to approach it. And I think... First of all, the idea was it was my senior thesis, so I wasn't trying to make it disgusting. Um, But I also was trying to... I didn't want them to be triggering photos either. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do something that was gory and painful to look at, just kind of um, a visual representation of how I was feeling. Um, I don't know. I 
it, it started the process of being able to describe what I was going through to others. And that made me have to really reflect on what my triggers were because I was having to like induce anxiety and induce depression to kind of know what I wanted to, these photos to look like. Um, and that made me, I went through a horrible spell of anxiety by doing that because I opened a lot of old wounds and then got into therapy and then even went as far as changing my diet with a functional wellness specialist. And it's made me really aware of how much goes into mental health and it's not just something you're born with or genetically exposed to. Well, what I was going to ask was like if making that series was therapeutic to you or was it the opposite? The making it was therapeutic. What's well, I've shared a lot of before and afters on my Instagram because I think a lot of people thought that like in those moments I was like scared or anxious or having a rough time, but in all the pictures you'll see me laughing and having fun and splashing around in water in a random field cuz you know, me and my sister were messing around or something. But the aftermath was really triggering because I wasn't expecting it to go viral. I don't think anybody ever is. Mm -hmm. Um, And the messages I was receiving were just so intense that it sent me into a really dark place. Um, Just people saying that their children were suicidal and they needed my help or, you know, that they were actively cutting and needed to let someone know or, you know, just and very you triggering things. you can't take that on yourself. I yeah. can't take that on myself, first of all. And then I felt like I had this responsibility to build these resources for them and give them numbers and hotlines. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and I'm not a mental health therapist. I'm not right. specialized in any of that. I was an art student trying to depict something for myself and got thrown into, you know, people were sharing these intimate details with me and I wasn't prepared for it at all. So I was just having rolling panic attacks of, like, feeling like I had this responsibility to these people that I couldn't help them. So how did you work through that? Lots and lots of therapy. <laughs> um, and honestly, it got worse before it got better. And I think that's that's part of um, what's tricky about mental illness is um, I don't want to offend anybody because <laughs> I was this way for a long time, but just really believed that depression and anxiety were who I am Mm -hmm. and that's not the case and I'm finding that out like yes I struggle from them and if you have before you know what I'm talking about like not everybody has had that that obstacle but there are other factors whether it's what you're putting in your body what you're surrounding yourself with stress uh, outside trauma family trauma um, that can trigger these things and you're not necessarily cursed for life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of how I always felt I was. I was like, my mom had depression. My sister has depression. I'm sure extended family had it. And I just assumed I was locked in for life. And it, as I've researched and met with doctors and read books and listened to podcasts, I've realized that that's not my case. And it's been freeing, but it's also really hard to talk about because I feel like a lot of people are like me and are just like, no, how dare you say it can be fixed or cured or, mm, you know, mm-hmm. because it's kind of what you fall back on to say this is what's wrong with me. Um, there's no cure. Or... But I, I I, mean, I don't, I. that's why it's so interesting to hear you talk because I don't struggle with those things, not on like a clinical level. At, I mean, I've had moments, mm-hmm. but, and so I don't, I can't begin to imagine. So I don't want to say anything either because I don't know what it's like, but I, from the outside looking in, it's like, people might think like how dare you that's not fixable whatever but why would you want to live a life where you didn't try 
Right, and I think... To feel better? I think that's what's hard, is people's response to me, in addition to being very critical, a lot of people were saying that... And again, these are comments on the internet. Like, number one rule, don't read the comments. And I was. (laughs) Like, that was my fault. But I was open to seeing what people were saying. Because a few people commented on my language. Like, how I was phrasing things. Like, I think at one point I was talking about anxiety, and I said, last Christmas I was high on Xanax, just trying to spend time with my family. And I was told that my language made it seem like I was abusing Xanax for recreation or, you know, and I, that helped me because I realized to other people, it may have sounded, well, and it wasn't even humor. I was saying the only way I could get into my grandparents' house to open presents was taking Xanax. I was like literally running laps in their backyard, sobbing hysterically. I looked insane because my anxiety was so high. My heart rate was at like 170. And just sitting in the car. And the only way I could get inside was taking more Xanax than I ever had before. So I don't remember that Christmas. And to me, that was being high. But to someone else hearing that, it sounds like I was using it recreationally or whatever. But I should have said, I don't even remember what was happening because I was so overly medicated. I was so overly medicated and numb because I didn't have an answer to what was wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, skip forward to when I met my functional wellness doctor, we figured out that I had like the lowest vitamin D levels I've ever had, lowest B12 levels, had barely any omegas to function, and all of this translated into what was causing anxiety. My body was letting me know that something was wrong, and I was taking it as, I'm genetically predisposed to this. So, I still have anxiety, I still have depression, but I'm learning that there are ways to to manage it. To manage it, and I don't want people to think that I'm like coming after them if they are on antidepressants. I'm still medicated. You know, well, like and it I sounds s- like everyone has like a different point of the process that they're in. So like just because you might be learning how to overcome it doesn't mean that it's any less difficult than someone who just is now realizing that they have it. Right. And I think my big point is I wish when I was eleven years old, instead of being handed a prescription for Lexapro, a doctor would have said, Hey, um, what do you think might be causing this? Or is there anything going on in your life right now? Because my dad had left. My brother was had cancer and was dying. Um, we moved from our family home that I'd been in my entire life in my school to Baton Rouge. And I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody. My mom was working full time again when she was homeschooling me before. You know, I had like four or five severe traumas for an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. And no one asked me about those things. And now looking back now, you can And identify. I wish someone would have been like, this child needs therapy and this child is going through trauma and instead I was told it's genetic, we're going to start you on pills you know, like mm-hmm. I just so if anyone out there is like I'm genetically predisposed to this and this is my life forever, I want them to understand that like at least try I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be giving advice <laughs> but, No, no, I see what you're, where you're coming from though because it's like you can, and I, I like it I said, feels I, like you're burdened with it. Yeah, and I and don't want people to think that like that's it. This is all you have to mm-hmm. live with, you know. Because even being medicated, there's still times when I feel awful, you know. So I'm not saying my goal is no medicine. My goal is to feel the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And so if I just take the medicine and don't go to therapy and don't exercise and don't have a schedule then I'm going to feel at my worst. The medicine's not going to do very much. You know, I still have to function. So how has photography and, like, learning, like, you had, I know you're really into, like, what you put in your body, like, on a, on a food level. How have those things helped to help you manage what you're going through? 
Um, I don't know how it's helped. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I knew something was wrong when I couldn't do my job. So I would get to a wedding and have to, like, pump myself up to go inside or get to an engagement shoot and have to, like, do breathing exercises. And that wasn't my norm. Like, mm-hmm. I used to just go into it fine. And then I was having these really unrealistic fears, like irrational fears that I was going to get sick on the job or do something embarrassing. Like, it was super irrational, things that had never happened before. And I would would shake really bad, and then it would be like the bride's about to walk down the aisle, and I would, like, toss my camera to my sister, and she's like, I don't know how to use a camera. Like, you have to shoot this wedding, and I would pull myself together and do it, and I'd be fine. But it was just this irrational fear over and over again that I had never had before. Um, so that's what made me really pursue something, because I couldn't do my job. Mm-hmm. But I could do another job. I could sit in an office. I could do something else. But I wanted to do photography. So that pushed me to get help because... You wanted to do what you want. I wanted to do what I wanted. (laughs) And I couldn't do that because I had no backup. You know, like, when you're a photographer, it's just you. If you get sick, well, shit. You know, like, what you're calling all your friends frantically, but what are you going to do in wedding season on a double wedding weekend, you know, like, yeah, it's this anxiety that you're not really prepared for. Man, I don't even have anxiety or depression. <laughs> and I don't shoot weddings because they give me anxiety. So I can't even imagine. So yeah, props to you for doing that. But so you do have a, a wedding photography company with your sister, correct? Mm-hmm. Called Adelphi. It means sisters are of the same womb in Greek. People always think it's a weird name, but once you know, it's kind yeah. of, <laughs> it makes a little sense. And so how has it helped working with her? Absolutely. So my sister is a mental health counselor. (laughs) So she has her master's in psychology and mental health counseling. And she's actually um, getting certified, trauma certified as well. Um, So not only is she good to kind of help regulate things, Mm -hmm. I trained her to be a photographer. So now she's my backup. So (laughs) So, you have trained each other to kind of. Yeah, it's like she's my security blanket. But I'm to the point now where like it used to be I couldn't shoot without her. And I've gotten into a rhythm and gotten healthy, and now I know I can go out by myself. But if I need her, she's there kind of thing. Which I feel like almost everybody has that person that, like, they have someone in mind that can do their job. You know, if... if yeah, like to refer to or something. Yeah. yeah. She's basically now my referral who I... I mean, she also lives with me, so it's really easy to be like, hey, I need you this weekend. Yeah. And so how? what role has your husband played in all of this? Um, so we're, like, kind of polar opposites, uh, but we have the same personality, so it's weird. But he is super calm all the time, like, so much that he gives off that. I don't know how much I believe in auras and, <laughs> yeah, like, whatever, but if they're if that's real, he gives off, like, a super chill vibe. And so much so that if I'm being irrational, he validates things that are necessary to validate, but he shuts up irrational fears. You know, he's kind of like, that's literally never happened before. You're going to be fine. Let's talk about something else. You know, he just, he's really good at calming me down and redirecting. Um, and he's also never, ever criticized where I'm at. You know, mm-hmm. I read stories online, like on Reddit. I follow a lot of relationship subreddits and anxiety subreddits. And I see so many awful stories of spouses or significant others who are just like, I'm sick of your mental illness. Like, they'll straight up say that right. to people. And my husband has never even hinted that this is annoying to him, you know? And, I mean, there are nights he's been up with me till 6 in the morning as I'm just 
shaking naked in a bathtub because I don't know what's wrong and he's just there, you know, like he's never complained about it or anything. So I got really lucky there. And so do you think things have become easier since meeting him and being with him? Yeah, I kind of went through, I met him while I was shooting My Anxious Heart. So he, <laughs> uh, he would, you know, come over and I'd be like covered in black paint or something. And I'm like, you're in this because I'm weird. <laughs> um, but he had to experience probably two years into dating was when the really bad anxiety started that I was having him daily and he would drive me to therapy and you know I mean I couldn't leave the house I couldn't drive um and since we've been married things have steadily gotten better you know just I think it's an idea of security too mm-hmm. um knowing that we're together forever or I don't know have a home you know it's it's just this safe space yeah so tell me some things that you've learned that have helped you manage what you have going on. So many things. Um, basically, <laughs> picture me starting at like zero or negative one. Like I had no discipline or coping skills or anything. I just functioned in survival mode. That's kind of what I call it. Like I just, you know let the bank account overdraft and let the car run out of gas and just you know this living in well crap's gonna happen Mm -hmm. you know and I just kind of lived in a constant state of depression and let these things happen without trying to be preventative or you know I don't know what I'm trying to explain that makes sense (laughs) but yeah I didn't grow up with coping skills or our house was always messy we never had chores not really you know like Mm -hmm. it was I never had to deal with any of that And so, as an adult, I'm, like, watching my friends function, and I'm like, wait, you're doing something that, like, isn't due for another two weeks, but, like, you're doing it because you're self-disciplined. Like, it blew my mind watching Mm -hmm. people, and I felt like an idiot, because I was like, how am I 20 years old and don't understand how to, like, pick up after myself? But it was something I never learned. And so, especially being married and being part of a partnership, I, like, my husband's so cute, because, like, if I put my dishes away he's like thank you babe you did such a good job because like I need that validation (laughs) reinforcement because if if I leave stuff out and he like yells at me for it that's not going to make me want to do better you know it's just Mm -hmm. shameful um here's a tip on how to deal with an anxious wife (laughs) Um, but like I'm I'm just learning to function and have a routine and just this week especially I so I found a book that's amazing and everyone needs to read it including you. What's it called? <laughs> Atomic Habits by James Clear. Okay, I'll um, link it in the show notes. Oh, yay. Okay. I literally just finished it today. I got it on Audible. Atomic Habits? Yeah. I don't know if um, this is, like, bad for the author or if it's, like, legal for me to say. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm a cheapskate, and I'm budgeting because I want to get out of debt before I'm 30. I feel you And uh, if you create a new email address or a free Audible account, whatever, you get one free credit to an audiobook. So it's worth making a fake email address to listen to this book. Like, have <laughs> someone read it to you. Don't say that you're going to have time to read it a lot. Like, listen Do to this guy, read the book. Yeah. And he just had a lot of really good points. When you hear the word atomic, what do you think? Like mid-century, and I'm pumped about life. <laughs> t- that's what you think? <laughs> I Everyone think that I've asked is like, atomic bomb. And you're like, mid-century. <laughs> like, atomic ranch aesthetic? Like, oh like little, like, <laughs> pinwheel, like, starburst? Okay, so you picture color, which I'm not surprised. Yes. Um, a, <laughs> I guess atomic bomb. Most people picture yeah. atomic bomb. <laughs> like, destruction. Well, if you read the definition of atomic, how big is an atom? It is the smallest 
thing. So when you hear atomic habits, it seems like big things, but it's on an atomic level. Mm-hmm. You're making atomic changes, these tiny, minuscule changes, and eventually you can grow from that. And he puts a lot of things into perspective that as someone who's never been good with self-discipline and as someone who has been depressed her whole life, like, has changed the game. Like, I've been sedentary since I graduated high school, and this week I've seen a personal trainer four times. Like, I started reading this book on Saturday, and and I'm like, yes! I'm so impressed, because, like, you texted me, because we had talked about doing the podcast a while back. We were supposed to do shoots, and we need to do Mm -hmm. that, too, still. Yeah, we still need to work But, but like, we both have gotten busy and stuff, and you were like, I'm free this week. When can you do it? And And that's so unlike me. And I know, and that's how I was like, oh, I should take advantage of this while she's, like, free, and we can do it. Otherwise, it might rock on for a while, like... Do yeah. both of our schedules, but I did notice that for sure. Well, thank you. You're Validation welcome. You're doing him. great. <laughs> so, like, I don't wake up before one. I mean, I don't sleep at night. I've never, I've always been nocturnal. And I, you know, if a class was before noon, I wasn't going. And that's just how I've functioned or not functioned. <laughs> I'm and so, so opposite. This, but I know. <laughs> and so, all of my friends are like you. Like, all, no one functions when I do. And so it's very lonely. It's very isolating because I'm, like, waking up. You know, I'll get out of bed at, like, noon or 1, and then my brain will turn on at, like, 8 p.m. And I'm like, oh, let me start editing, and I'm working till 6 a.m. Like so crazy. And my husband leaves for work as I tell him goodnight. You know, like, it's... But it... You know, it... It, it was an excuse to say it worked for me, but it didn't really work for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I tried to do, like, if anybody on here follows me on Instagram, I did try to make that a thing. I was like, do what you can while you can. Do what you want. Like, mm-hmm. let's, this is when I function. Let me do my job. But I still had weddings that started at 1030 on Saturdays. I still yeah. had people that wanted me to shoot at 9 a.m. at a storefront. You know, like, I still needed a function as an adult during the day. Like, it needed to happen. It, it wasn't healthy that I was living this way. Um, so I am a people pleaser and have no, like, care to do things for myself. I always do things for others. So I got a personal trainer, and she gets paid based on if I show up. Yeah. So I booked her at 7 a.m., and if I don't show up, she doesn't get paid. So... Now you know. Guess who's my accountability partner? Yeah. This girl that I pay money to. Because it would break my heart for her to not... Like, for her to show up and no, be there. No, that's very smart, though. And I'm kind of the same way. I have a lot of appointments all the time. And I, like, purposely will book them as early as I can because it's, like, that's... I'll, I won't be late to an appointment with someone else. Right. If I yeah. tell myself I'm going to wake up at 7 and edit pictures at 7, I might wake up at 9 and do it, which is still, in my book, productive. But if I know that there's an appointment and there's someone waiting for me, then I try to do it early if I can. Yeah. Um, but then on the flip side, it's hard, too, because, like, just like you were saying, functioning when you do what you can while you're, you know, productive... I am very productive if I wake up at my house, wake up, go straight to my computer. I will work till like 1 p.m. and be so productive, be done for the day. But if I have to go to an appointment early in the morning and then I come back to my house, it's like pulling teeth to get me to do anything because I'm so lazy in the afternoon that if I'm like running errands all morning and then I come home and I have to work, it's not going to happen and I'll get in a roll and if I do, I won't be done till like 10 p.m. and then I'm cranky because I hate being up late. (laughs) So it's like, it's a whole thing. So it's like kind of knowing that balance of like when you're productive and like keeping some days open for yourself to Mm -hmm. be productive during those times, but also like you said, having an accountability partner to force you to like go do it. Yeah. And another thing is don't get me wrong, I've been waking up at 6 a.m., but I've been taking, like, three naps a day. Mm. Like, I have have to get in the routine of waking up. But I will tell you, waking up, having my coffee, going to work out, coming home, eating, and going back to sleep, I'm getting way more done than when I was sleeping till 1 p.m. You know, like, yeah. 
even though I'm taking a huge nap to get in the cycle of waking up early. And I, I think that's where mental illness comes in is I was reading something the other day and it was like kids that were in gifted or like had high expectations for themselves or their parents had high expectations from the, for them. Now, you know, gifted is kind of like things came easy to you educationally, you know, mm-hmm. not everybody, but like for me, school was a breeze. Like, my mom had me reading and doing math, like, in the bathtub every night when I was, like, four years old. Mm-hmm. I could read at four, and I was just like, yeah, I'm killing it. Whatever. I skipped a grade because I could read early. And this sounds like I'm bragging, but no, because I was socially inept, <laughs> like, oh, in high school. you made you know? up for it in the education department. So, like, I, I was 16 two months before I graduated high school. Like, couldn't do anything my freshman year of college. Like, it was... I wasn't mature enough to be there yet, but just because I could read, I skipped a grade or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, where was I going with About this? how things come easy to gifted people? <laughs> yes. So, people who were, like, in gifted programs or things came easy to them, they didn't have self-discipline and routines and things. Unless they were happened. forced on them. But most kids were just like, oh, if I need to write this paper at 3 a.m. before my 6 a.m. class, I can because I'm gifted. I, I don't know. that Maybe I that's not everybody, mean. but I feel like that's how it was for me and my, my brother's. Not to say they don't work hard, but, like, I think we really, like, our sister worked her ass off and is valedictorian and has a master's, and the three, me and my two brothers were in gifted, and, like, I graduated college, but it took me six years. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, you know, it's, yeah. it's different if you had to work hard versus if it came naturally. So now kids who were in gifted back when I was, so, like, third grade, whatever, um, they're really struggling to find their identity because wait, I have to work hard, I have to have a routine, I have to, you know, I'm used to things coming naturally, and I don't have a passion, or, you know, and and I find that that's a really big trend, and those kids have a lot of depression and anxiety. I say kids, we're all, like, adults now or something, but, like, that's That's kind of the theme, is if you didn't have those relationships with hard work as a kid, and you're not figuring them out now, you feel really down on yourself, and, like, you're not accomplishing anything. That's really interesting. I had a similar background where I was always in like the honors classes and stuff and things were generally easy for me but I think it's it's interesting because the people like you and I who have like side hustles or passions mm-hmm. or we have our own businesses you still have to figure out how to have a self-discipline or else like you literally will not get paid it's different if we went from this to this to this and then worked in like an office setting nine to five and the clock that it still could be that same habitat of like things come easy to you because you're still working yeah and someone's giving you direction and somebody's Mm -hmm. telling you exactly what their expectations are well what are our expectations for ourselves exactly too high like yeah tell me you're not trying to like accomplish everything in a week when you get an idea you know Mm -hmm. that's how our brains work right and so this book that i read it's all about making these changes and also giving yourself reward and he talks about the cycle like you need to read it because I'm horrible at like remembering exact facts here. But it's like you have a cue and a response, and then what's your reward? So, say like my cue is, oh, I'm hungry, I want chocolate, and I give myself chocolate. The reward is the dopamine, whatever. I need to find if I'm trying to lose weight and I need to stop eating chocolate. I need to find something that else is that's going to release dopamine because mm-hmm. I'm really after dopamine. I'm not after chocolate. I know that chocolate's going to give me a dopamine kick. So it's all about kind of doing stuff like that and then making bad habits inaccessible. So don't have the crap in your house that 
tempts you. You know, if I have to put on clothes and go out to get crappy food, I'm way less likely to Because it's too much effort. Yeah. I have to put in weight. There's too much friction between me and that thing. But if I have, like right now, I've been washing grapes and fruit. Like, because even if I have to wash a piece of fruit, that's still too much effort and I'll reach for chips. (laughs) But like, when I get home from the grocery store, I started washing fruit and like having it out in bowls in my fridge. So now when I open the fridge and I'm just seeing what's on the channel... I just reach in and grab some grapes, and I'm satisfied. Well, I really want to talk to you more about the food stuff, because we had a big conversation about this a while back, after I had done Whole30, or maybe I was doing Whole30. Yeah. I don't remember. I think you had but, already done it. <clears throat> yeah, and I remember we were talking about that, and you had talked to me about how a lot of these changes you've made had had positive ties to your mental well-being. Yeah, so I'm not a specialist, disclaimer, um, yeah, I'm, and I'm obviously. trying to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be trying to remember everything uh, that I learned Two years ago now. Yeah, so in February of 2017, I was at my worst. Um, Couldn't eat anything. My anxiety was so bad. My nausea was so bad, I had no appetite. I would maybe eat, like, a granola bar a day, Um, which increases your anxiety because your body's in, like, survival mode, and it does the fight-or-flight thing, Mm -hmm. as we know about our ancestors. (laughs) It's funny. If you look at everything and then you look at it in, like, an ancestral... Ancest, not insect... (laughs) <laughs> I'm mumble, and I want to make that clear. Yeah. If you look at our ancestors, um, you'll see that everything makes sense with these triggers. So if you eat something that fills you up, you're going to want to take a nap. It's going to make you tired because um, that's what they would do. They would eat a big meal and then go to bed. Or if they were um, starving, then they were in fight or flight mode to survive and find food. Well, that is your adrenaline and anxiety. So if you're not eating properly or not getting nutrition, that's going to make you more anxious. If you're overeating and, you know, filling your body with crap and sweets, you're going to crash. Kind of the same Mm -hmm. mentality. Anyway, um, I went and saw a functional wellness specialist in Baton Rouge. um, And she did, the first thing she did was a ton of lab work. And nothing was, like, crazy. Nothing was, like, it didn't come back that I had diabetes or thyroid cancer or anything. Like, I was expecting something like that. Um, And so when I got my results, I was kind of disappointed. I told her, I was like, I thought you were going to be my answer, you know? Mm -hmm. And she goes, but you have a diagnosis. You have depression and anxiety. And I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, so I didn't have a regular cycle at all. Um, And so... She was like, you have a diagnosis. I'm showing you why that's your diagnosis. And that was kind of a huge realization for me. Because all my life I went to doctors wanting them to tell me what was wrong. She was telling me why it was wrong. And so I had really low B12 levels. Um, My body, I had a genetic, um, we did my genetic testing and I had something, a mutation that didn't allow for me to absorb vitamin B very well from food. Um... And so I needed a methylated form of this vitamin. And then my vitamin D levels were super, super low. And a few other things. I can't remember everything that she figured out. Um, So she put me on a very bare bones, almost paleo, very Whole30 diet. Um, On top of that, I couldn't have uh, tomatoes or eggs. So it's Whole30, but even less. So every morning I was drinking this, like, insane green drink. It was, like, three cups of spinach, and, like, I could only have so much fruit. I was, like, counting out berries Mm -hmm. every morning. And after, I remember it was 11 days. It was the day of my friend's wedding. I had felt better than I ever had in my entire life. Not just 
since the panic attacks, but like as a kid, I didn't have this much energy. I didn't feel this good. You know, Mm -hmm. my skin cleared up for the first time ever. Weight started like falling off my body. Uh, My cycle came back like insane results. And she held, held these classes and gave us all these documents and, you know, all this research and it just all said the same thing. You know, you, you get out of your body what you put into it. And so if I'm putting in sugars and gluten and things that, like, gluten is essentially glue. It's just, you know, like, when you look at things that contain gluten, it's things that are sticking to your insides and um, causing leaky gut. You know, anything that's super acidic or sugary. Um, so leaky gut is where... The toxins are escaping in your bloodstream. Because, okay, please don't, like, quote me on any of this. No, you're fine. But I've read a little bit about all this stuff when yeah. I did Whole30, and I am not good with the science of anything, so I don't quite know. So just yeah. explain it in I'm explaining. Term. I'm explaining things the way I pictured them as she was talking. So this isn't, none of this is scientific. But basically my gut was leaking bacteria and toxins into my bloodstream, which then was getting into my brain, which was making me foggy. Like, as soon as I cut all this stuff out and started taking collagen to repair my gut lining, it was like I was thinking clear and I was doing better, and I weighed, like, the lightest I ever had in my life, Mm -hmm. but was more toned and fit than I had ever been. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just, like, I always thought, like, oh, I'm big because I'm built that way. You know, just another thing that we're told. (laughs) And... That it was going to be impossible for me to get below a certain weight or still be healthy. But I was. You know, I felt amazing. Um, And I wasn't exercising. I don't mean to brag about that. But, like, (laughs) I should have been exercising. Yeah. But, like, my body was just functioning for the first time and absorbing vitamins and nutrients and getting better and healing itself from the inside out for the first time ever. And so, you know, recently when my dad passed away, things got crazy and I stopped eating that way. And, you know, people brought us food, which I was so thankful for. But we were just eating, like, soul food mm-hmm. and starches and heavy meats. And, you know, we were just eating a ton of stuff. And then we had cakes and cookies, just comfort food. And I get, have gained so much weight and felt so foggy that this has been my, like, you remember what it feels like to feel really good. You got to get back there. Yeah. No, and that's – I kind of talked about this with my friend Paige on one of the episodes because she was the one that introduced me to Whole30 and I'm not ever going to – you know, force people to do Whole30 because mm-hmm. I don't live that way on a normal basis at all. Yeah. Um, but I will agree and say that, like, in just the short time that I did do that and eat that way, I, the first time I did it, I lost, like, 11 pounds with no exercise in 30 days. Um, felt the best I've ever had. You know, like, mm-hmm. a lot of my nerve pains from different back problems I had went away because they've, you know, they've said that there's some ties to inflammation and, and, oh, and nerve damage with yeah. what you're eating and, and all that. And so, like, once you feel that good and then you get back to rock bottom, you're like, oh, it's like, I totally didn't know how bad this was because it's how I always was eating. Yeah. Until, like, I did that. And then now I know the difference. And so it's it's hard to do it all the time, um, for me at least. But I've made so many positive changes since even trying that that have, like, stuck with me. Like, I don't put sugar in my coffee and I mm-hmm. don't eat near as many grains anymore and I try not to have much dairy and... Um, all that stuff has helped me, but, um... Yeah, for me, it's sweets. Like, those are my downfall. Um, I will eat... I love chicken and vegetables. I will eat as much... Like, I'll eat that every single day. But if they're... And it's... We live in Louisiana, so I've eaten, like, four king cakes. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I... It's that time of year, too. Yeah, and so, to not eat a king cake or a cookie... And I'm a freaking wedding photographer. They're 
I have up to four different types of cake a weekend. <laughs> like, yeah. here's a bride and groom's cake at every wedding, and I shoot, like, two weddings a weekend. So it's really hard to be around all that and just be like, oh, no, this is better for my lifestyle in the long run, mm-hmm. you know? But it's, it's easier once you're in it. It's way it's, easier to reject you it when to you're in it. get on the wagon. And for some reason, I'm, and I don't know if this relates back to the... I think this is something I was going to say earlier. When I was talking about how you and I, like, reach for things... Because we own our own companies and because we are creative, we want to do it all. And we burn out at some point. And that's how I am with food. I'm like, all or nothing. Rather than just cutting back on dairy now and then eventually cutting grains and then eventually... I'm like, I have to start from day one making that green smoothie and eating all of my greens and veggies and then all all my supplements. Because if I just cut it out a little bit at a time, it's still around. You know, like, I still have to have self-control. If it's not in my house at all and all I have to eat is good food, I'll be fine. Also, when I did it the first time, I was having panic attacks every day. I couldn't leave my house. After 11 days, I was a new person and had no anxiety. So now that I'm on this, I still take the supplements. My vitamin levels are good. But I'm just not eating great. So I'm just gaining weight and feeling sluggish without the anxiety. So that's not a motivator for me. You know, like before it was I couldn't function or do my job or leave my house. Now I'm like, I can. I'm just gaining a lot of weight really fast. So... It's, yeah, when all those... to find a different motivator. <laughs> when all those bad things, I guess, quote-unquote... And it's not like it's bad food. It just might be bad for you. Whatever. Yeah. Um, when they're tied to, like... No, like, for me, it was, like, it's tied to, like, I'm going to try this because I might get rid of my nerve pain that I mm-hmm. have in my arm. Um, and it kind of helped. And then I was like, oh, that's, like, a motivator. And for you, it's, like, your anxiety. And so, if it, like, if it helps it go away then it's like that's worth it yeah to do it and if I can keep up with things like um my husband we go to Denver a lot and we want to move to Denver and we always want to go hiking when we're there and I can't make it very far my like you're already at a higher altitude and then Mm -hmm. like I'm not fit at all so I take a couple steps I'm like I need a break and I just feel bad that I can't keep up you know like I need I need to be taking better care of myself so that I can experience life a little better. But when I've been depressed for 20 years, it's... hasn't been 20. I'm acting like I'm 85 years old. But, <laughs> like, when I've been depressed for that long, I never... There was no joy in things. So It was just normal. I didn't you, desire to go hiking. I was like, that sounds awful. I don't want to do that. And now I'm like, I want to be fit and go hiking. So, again, I'm just going to keep referring to this book because it's fresh in my mind. But in Atomic Habits, he talks about... Um, changing your mindset from a like reward based thing to an identity based thing I don't know if reward is the word he used but instead of saying I want to lose weight you say my identity needs to change I, I want to be a healthy person I want to be a fit person I want to be someone who exercises as part of a routine because if you focus on the weight and the weight doesn't shift you're going to lose motivation. And it's not a good thing to root yourself in because losing weight takes away gaining muscle. You know, like, you're not factoring how long it takes to actually lose weight or how your weight shifts based on how you're built. And or different time of day, your weight is different. So if you say, I want to be a healthy person, you can give yourself credit for every workout, for every good meal, for mm-hmm. every time you reject something that is bad for you. You know, like, it's a much different mindset. So instead of saying, you know, I want to be a hiker. I don't know. Or maybe that is what I want to say. I want to be a hiker. I don't want to just 
aim for being able to run a 5k i want to be a runner you know like don't make it an end goal make it a lifestyle change and i think that's a a big buzzword lately like it's not a diet it's a lifestyle or it's not a a goal it's a lifestyle but it is because especially for mental health you need to have something in mind because when you're mentally ill goals don't work (laughs) like I don't know how to explain it, but it's just there's no motivation. There's no desire. There's no joy. It's the absence of emotion. I don't know. Like, depression isn't sadness. Depression is void. And so I don't have any goals or dreams. But if I'm sitting there saying, like, in my identity, I want to be this type of person, I can start making small changes without, yeah. So you're all of these things have been probably in what the past like two years you're saying that you've started to feel that way about like making it like an identity change yeah I learned what it was called in the book this week right, right, right. <laughs> but yes yeah so yeah you, making... and you've seen success not not full-blown success but like um progress in what you've been doing oh me not sticking to the food plan that I was on is pure laziness and procrastination because I know 100% it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big thing that I wasn't going to talk about because it's controversial, but, like, the goal isn't necessarily no meds, but for some people it can be. And for me, I feel like I was medicated so early without being treated for trauma, you know, without mm-hmm. being counseled, that I'm wondering if, like, I'm really not as bad off as these doctors made it seem, and I can be med-free at some point. I will say that meds are completely necessary. I think they're a stepping stone. Sometimes you are in such a dark place that you can't even... I mean, I've been so depressed. I've laid in bed and been like, do I pee on myself in the bed and clean it up? Or do I, like, get up and use the bathroom? I mean, it gets that bad. Mm -hmm. So you need that medication to give you any type of motivation to get... Yeah, yeah, to to get you to live and survive. But I don't think it's always the end goal is to just be medicated Mm -hmm. you know I don't think antidepressants are the answer to uh, mental health I think they are a definite tool I'm on them I do not (laughs) claim that they are bad yeah they are a tool just like therapy is just like exercise is just like eating right is Um, and so whenever you take one of those things away you need to make sure that the other ones are strong you Mm -hmm. know well, tell me how you've been using, like, blogging and Instagram stories and things like that to help be transparent about your process. Um, basically that. I'm just transparent. Um, I <laughs> hop on looking like a hot mess because I just find no shame in it. Um, I, I was trying to blog, but again, I did the all or nothing thing. I was like, I need content. I need to curate it. I need to, like, so I started this self-care series, and I was like, I'm going to go all out and do, like, you know one different type of self-care week for six weeks and if anybody was following me you notice it stopped after two because I wasn't healthy enough to be in that place to curate that content and it locked my Instagram from being able to like talk about anything else yeah I was like I have to do this for six weeks so instead of sprinkling it in I was like I'm gonna do this thing that I planned like 20 minutes ago and lock myself in it for six weeks so right now I really mainly use stories and I just kind of hop on just kind of give people a check-in like mental health check um people message me all the time and I just try to respond as best I can you know um make it very obvious that I'm not a professional um (laughs) I'm just someone who gets it but 
I would like to get more into blogging again. I just don't know what content. And because, same with, like, what I was saying earlier about people, um, like, having their identity in depression. For me to say, like, I've been depressed my whole life. All this stuff has happened. And then for me to just go, actually, I figured out how to fix it. No, no. I think I think what you have been doing has been good. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. Because I feel like you're transparent enough to be able to talk about it and hopefully it doesn't trigger you into places that you don't want to go just no, by talking about no, it. No, 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 not at all. I'm The only reason that happened in the first place when my project went viral is because A, I wasn't expecting it, and B, I wasn't healthy. And now I have a much tighter mm-hmm. grasp on what's going on. I understand my own brain a lot more and my body. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm. my goal is transparency always. Transparency first, and then we'll figure out the rest. Because... So there's this quote that I absolutely love, and I don't... It's like a meme or something. I don't know where I read it, but it was, be the person you wish you had when you were younger. And all I... Like, if I could have picked someone in my life when I was younger, was just someone to say, like, you're not crazy. This is normal. We're going to walk through this, and I'm going to hold you the whole way through. And I want to be that person to people. Because I don't... I think there's, like... When you get rid of the stigma, you realize, even though you haven't experienced mental illness you've experienced down days and and being nervous i've had blips of what might be anxiety or depression but not like on a from an clinical level yeah from an outside looking in i'm like jordan is always on fire she's always getting shit done she's amazing you know to to me and then that's that's the that's how i architect it to look i know but i'm saying and then that makes me feel inferior (laughs) and i'm like scared to plan stuff with you because i'm like she's so above me like that's what mental illness does yeah it makes me believe that i am not worthy of your time I think that's huge that you get to that place of, like, I'm worthless, nobody wants to be around me, I'm not nearly as good as this other person, Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, no, you bring value to this world, even if it feels like you don't. You absolutely do. And I just wish people would have been, someone solid in my life would have been telling me that, you know, Uh, because it didn't feel that, it was very lonely for a long time. That was really nice. Oh, thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. In a lot of ways, in this day and age, it's it's good that mental health is being talked about, but it's also like almost like a borderline trendy thing where everyone thinks they have it, and I don't want to put people down who don't have it, but I think sometimes it can be a trendy buzzword to be like, I'm... Oh, when people say I'm so anxiety. bipolar, or I'm, my OCD's getting to me, or, you know, I'm just like, please stop. Like, unless well, you can't... So that's what I'm saying. So it's kind of... It's almost like it's it's talked about more, but it's also overlooked at the same time because it's so saturated of a mm-hmm. buzzword topic that and sometimes think, it's not taken seriously. So on the topic of that and mixed with social media, I think that's when it comes... Like that girl who pointed out my language of saying hi. Like when talking about Xanax, saying mm-hmm. I was high. She... Like we had an aggressive moment. But then I was like, I really am sorry. I'd love to talk to you about that. You know, like, because your walls are up when you start commenting on stuff. Like, you come in defense mode when you're on social media. You're like, someone didn't agree exactly with what I said. How? And then, like, all your followers come up and start defending Mm -hmm. you, too. It's up to us as a, a mental health community to be able to say, hey, really respect what you're doing. I'm sure you're overwhelmed. But... Can we make sure that we're using language correctly? And this doesn't have to be a public thing. You can message someone privately and say, hey, 
you're using bipolar as a trendy word when people actually suffer from manic depressive disorders and I'm so nervous that I'm gonna like someone's gonna take what I say wrong or not understand that I have a sarcastic dry sense of humor or yeah or does it translate well in an Instagram post and I'm like it's a very serious topic that I don't want to misrepresent in any way Mm -hmm. Um, but I also want people to know that their feelings are valid and they're heard and they're seen you know, so it's well, a tricky I worry about balance. that, too, especially with, like, I made a podcast. Like, I decided to put myself out there. But I'm not an expert on a lot of the things I'm talking to people about. And it's, uh, I never, like, it's it's like those, you hear about celebrities being, like, the same kind of way that you were when you think about viral. Like, they all these people go up to this musician and they're like, your song saved my life. And the celebrities like, I can't handle like I just wrote it because I wanted to write the song Mm -hmm. like and they don't know how to deal with it and then all of a sudden like they're a role model and they never asked to be a role model and it's like I'm not comparing myself to like a celebrity but I'm just saying like by putting myself out there it's like oh no what if someone and I've gotten weird messages too about like well you said this in your story and actually it's this or people have come Mm -hmm. at me sideways and I'm just like I literally wasn't asking and you don't realize (laughs) how many people I'm just recognize you or approach you based on your work because like I'll be out and have that pop socket on my phone and people are like you know Jordan and I'm like yeah (laughs) well I just and I just talk and so that's why it's kind of scary because like I've I've talked about this I think in another episode too but I've said and done things on the internet that are not the best the best way to represent me or and it's Mm -hmm. like throughout we've all been on the internet since like what 2006 like we were children and so like who even knows what I've said that's out there that's super offensive or oh going through my memories oh it's terrible (laughs) I know and it's I'm just waiting for something to come up and someone to like come at me sideways about it but it's just like trying to correct what you can now and move forward and so that's why the podcast is um it's hard for me too because I'm just here to talk and I generally want it to be lighthearted, but this isn't obviously this is a heavier conversation and I just um but you will find people who have suffered from mental illness usually have great sense of humor <laughs> because it's a coping strategy yeah a lot We're of comedians really funny. I feel like yeah. yeah oh and I'm sure I've said Everything. some wrong like people can fact check this podcast and be like <laughs> you were so wrong up and down but I gave a disclaimer that I don't know everything that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, it's uh, just a conversation. Yeah, this is just my experience and what I believe and that it's ever-changing. Because as I learn something new, I shift. You know, it's I try and see both sides as best that I can. We can't just keep being at each other's throats. And that's the same way with mental illness and this conversation we're having. You have to see people as as what is the word I'm looking for? They're flawed. Mm-hmm. Some of us are really fragile. Some of us have been through shit that you wouldn't even begin to understand. But so we're going to misspeak sometimes. And yeah. you just, ha- I'm human. I'm so sorry that I did that. And I'll talk to you about it. But like, let's not attack each other because I might've said something wrong because I'm open to criticism, you know, just don't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like my friend posted a thing. This and this is the last thing I'll talk about too. Cause I, I always try to tiptoe around these controversial things, but I do think they need to be, like, addressed at some yeah. point. Um, but someone, a friend of mine, posted something the other day about how, like, cancel culture. How everyone's like, this person said this, they're canceled. Like, we just don't support them anymore. We boycott their business and everything they do. We mm-hmm. hate them. And I'm like, this is just terrifying because so many people have... I mean, everyone. Everyone has said the wrong thing or whatever. And so why punish people who had the guts to put themselves out there in the first place oh I'm terrified as a business owner to post anything that I believe in and does that make me a coward or does it make me a smart business owner you know right like, and it's, it can be hard to walk the line 
yeah, it's very confusing. And, I mean, I don't openly reject people to photograph, but a lot of times I don't agree with what they represent. Yeah, but they might know? openly object to hiring you because it's yeah. Said. So that's why that whole cancel culture and how it's it's not healthy and, like, you should obviously apologize if you're called out on something or whatever, if you just truly didn't know and you're not educated, but just totally, everyone just boycotting each other. It's not helping anything. I don't think there's any one person ever that's going to be a spokesperson for any of those And this groups. is the first time in the history of man, I don't know why I'm trying to make it sound that official, <laughs> that we have, we're basically writing public news articles every 30 minutes. Right. If that's how you view, because when you post it, Everyone has about a thousand friends on Facebook, you know, so that's being seen by at least five of them, <laughs> you know, like you're not just making a statement that you would say at a bar in 2000 with your friends, you know. No, but, but I know what you mean. Our, yeah. our generation so now was now that then. We're, we're putting it out there for criticism and people are taking them as fact rather than opinion like you would around a bar and and attacking each other. And I'm just like, you don't have to agree that I think Jason Momoa is the sexiest man alive. But I, don't, I, I don't think know who that, that is. You don't know who Jason Momoa is? I have no idea. Is it an actor? Yeah. Because I don't watch anything. Game of Thrones, Aquaman. Oh, God, no. I don't mess with Game of Thrones. He was in the first episode. That so show looks so lame. That's opinion. It looks lame. We'll talk about this afterwards. But I'm not interested <laughs> in anything like that. I don't do I Well, I said the same stuff. thing. I said the same thing. And I married a huge nerd. Yeah, never in my life did I think I'd be playing video games and watching fantasy shows and attending Comic-Cons and all this stuff, but that's my life now. Well, anyways. <laughs> um, so where can everyone find you to keep up with all of your shenanigans? I don't know. Um, yes. <laughs> Katie Joy Bonham is my handle. Okay. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I'm so... I'll link it in the show notes. I'm so techie. <laughs> um... And then Katie Joy Bonham. No, Valued and Loved is my website. <laughs> Y'all, I am so prepared. You're, you're going through branding stuff. I, I feel you. It's fine. Yeah, I keep going back and forth between, like, health and self-care and just, like, a personal blog. So Valued and Loved is my mm-hmm, is my website. And then if you want to are interested in wedding photography, that's AdelphiPhoto.com. A-D-E-L-P-H-I. Okay. I will link all those things on the show notes. Thanks. Well, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Do I have to immediately leave now? No. (laughs) We can edit photos. Okay. Hey, y'all. Just popping in to give a big thanks to you for listening to this episode of Do What You Want Radio. As always, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and follow if you're on Spotify. Show notes for this episode and more can be found at dowhatyouwantradio.com. I am super active on my Instagram account at Jordan Heffler if you're interested in keeping up with me there. And I also have a weekly email newsletter that you can subscribe to at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Every Thursday, I send out a tip of the week along with promotional information about my Do What You Want workshop series, online e-courses that help you learn to create authentically branded content that leverage growth on your social media platforms all by yourself. I also have Lightroom presets, merchandise, and just general information about my life and photography business in these email newsletters. Y'all are so awesome for listening. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep doing what you want. (laughs) Did that sound too fake?